Esther podcast is designed for Christian women who God has called to a career. Our goal is to identify the modern Esther in all women and to leave you feeling empowered with the mission to glorify God in your vocation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Modern Esther podcast. We have been looking at the life of Miriam, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, we basically were just going through about a very interesting part of Miriam's life where she had a rebellious spirit, a rebellious spirit against Moses' leadership, or a rebellious spirit spirit against God. And we kind of see this bitterness and resentment and pride build up in Miriam, but then we see her become humbled and her become an outcast for a week, seven days specifically, and then God provides a lot of grace. However, that, so that was mentioned in Numbers 12. However, we don't hear much about Miriam again until her death, which is what we're going to talk about today. However, I didn't just want to talk about her death. I wanted to kind of look at her life as a whole. And the reason is, is because something unique happens at Miriam's death. And I never noticed it before. This is something new to me as I was preparing for this podcast. And it's that the water source for the people actually dried up. So where the water source comes from is a rock. And it was thought to just kind of follow the people around where they were traveling in the wilderness from camp to camp. However, what's also really interesting about this is that it was known as Miriam's well. Now, it's not actually mentioned as Miriam's well in the Bible, but where we first see it begins in Exodus 17. So I'm just going to read a little bit for you guys to kind of understand the context of this water source. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, our livestock, with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used to struck the water of the Nile. Call some of the elders to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. So obviously the people needed something to drink. They were given manna and quail, but they were dying of thirst. And so God provided this rock. Now, I'm unsure why Jewish historians have called this Miriam's well, except maybe for the simple fact that we see in Numbers 20, as soon as Miriam died, the well or the rock stopped producing water. So let's skip to Numbers 20. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Then the people began to blame Moses and said, If we had only died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. 
And they continue to, you know, go on and complain exactly the same way that they did in Exodus 17. So we kind of see deja vu here, history repeating itself. But it's just interesting that it stopped exactly at the time of Miriam's death. I don't know if that is why people caught it Miriam's well, or if it is just perhaps true in this kind of rabbinic legend that it really did follow Miriam. However, what I think is even more interesting is that it was definitely a way for God or nature to honor Miriam. And it was a time of mourning. And so that kind of actually explains why emotions were so high, why the people started crying and whining again and why Moses struck the rock so intently and Aaron was so upset because all of them were mourning and were sad about Miriam and then they can't even get a drink of water. Um, And this is actually where we see Moses say, well, we struck the rock, which is indicating his pride. And that was one of the reasons that Moses was not allowed to go to the promised land was because he took the provision of water on himself and did not give God any glory. So why did God choose at that moment to stop water is beyond me. I mean, I can only pray and think that perhaps that was definitely a provision for all God's people, but it was special to Miriam. And we're going to talk about a little bit why it would be so important for Miriam to have this well. One thing that's been bugging me, not to go off on the sidetrack, it does have to do with the well, is the fact that Miriam's name means bitterness. And I've never understood this. The whole time I've been studying Miriam, I'm like, God, why would you give her name bitterness? You know, Deborah got bumblebee. That's just great. You know, she was just a worker and she was just a queen of the bees, right? But like, why would you give Miriam this chosen daughter of yours bitterness? And it came to me after a lot of prayer that her life was full of bitterness. She was born into slavery. She had a rough childhood. And then as soon as she left and was leading the Exodus with Moses and Aaron, she fell right back into resentment and bitterness that she had had when she was in slavery. And that began this questioning of not just her faith, but the authority of God, the authority of Moses. And it led to pride and resentment. And so maybe God gave her this well and all the people the well is because the one thing that cures bitterness is water. If you ever eat something bitter, you know this. You take a bite of something bitter, and the first thing you want to do besides spit it out is to drink water. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, ooh, I am thirsty, and they gave him vinegar, something very bitter to make him more thirsty as part of you know his torture. So we need water to cure our bitterness. And the fact that Jesus talks about how he is the true living water all throughout scripture, but particularly in John 4, when he meets the woman at the well, it says, there came a Samarian to draw water. And he says, give me a drink. We see that Jesus refers to himself as living water. I'm going to go ahead and read that verse because I think it's really important to understand that we're seeing the well in the Old Testament and we're seeing it again in the New Testament with Jesus. 
So Jesus says to the woman, anyone who drinks of this water will become thirsty again, but those who drink with the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within him, giving them eternal life. And it goes on, and it even says at the very end that people said, now we believe, not just because of what you have told us, but because what we have heard ourselves. He is indeed the Savior of the world, and I actually have in my Bible written, he is the true well. I just think it's wonderful when God can parallel something in the Old Testament with the New Testament, giving the exact same message that he is not just eternal life, but he is our living water. He is our living well. And because he provides us with water, because he washes our sins clean, we are forgiven. And not that I'm saying the well was only for Miriam. I believe that the well was spiritual and physical to all of the Jewish people of that time. But the fact that it dried up when she died, now scholars may disagree with this, but I truly believe it was God's way of saying, she's with me. She lived well. What's interesting about Miriam's life is it's a story that many people go through every day. There's a Christian song written by one of my favorite singers, Zach Williams, called Survivor. And you're going to hear some of the lyrics in a minute, but I just wanted to read you some of them. It says, For so long I carried the weight of my past, crippled by burdens like stones on my back. I thought I had fallen too far from your grace, but you came and showed me the way. When I was a lost soul searching, you were the ground beneath my feet. When I was a blind man begging, you were the eyes so I could see. When the smoke was rising up, you were the air that I could breathe. You gave me hope. You gave me something to believe. Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grip of sin. God, your love came crashing in and pulled me out of the fire. I'm a survivor. As I started listening to this song over and over, um, I started thinking, about, well, what was the meaning of this song? What what was the story behind the song? And if you guys ever listen to K-Love Radio, sometimes they do the stories behind the song. And this clip came up with Zach Williams, the, the songwriter, explaining what made him write this song. And it actually came from a story of his wife. So I got this clip off of YouTube, and I just thought I would share it with you guys. Williams, and today I just wanted to share with you a little bit about the story behind my newest song, Survivor. I just remember the day that we were writing this song, my wife Crystal came to mind. Um, She survived a fire accident when she was about 14 years old, and there's a lyric in that song that says, you pulled me out of the fire, I'm a survivor, and a lot of what I wrote the song about was my own personal testimony, but also with, with her in mind of knowing that she survived this this accident, and, and it got me to thinking about so many of us that, that are all survivors. The, the one thing, though, I think that, that we can all relate to is that through Jesus, He can pull us out of any place that we're at, and we can all become survivors. I just wanted my wife maybe to just share a little bit of her story with you guys, so kind of you guys would know where this song came from. Two days after my 14th birthday, I was at my house alone when the water heater blew up and I was standing behind the door 
So when it blew up, it knocked the door down and the fire went underneath the door and it gave me third and fourth degree burns on my legs from my knees down. I remember as the accident happened uh, and after I came to, cause the door knocked me out. I was in such shock, but I, I got up and I ran through the house and I was, uh, I remember just turning around and seeing my footprints on fire. And at that point, at 14, uh, I'd been through, I'd grown up in a dysfunctional home, uh, started, you know, drug use at a young age. And uh, I remember looking back at those footprints and thinking that I had died and that I'd gone to hell. And I, and I really, truly felt like I didn't deserve to live. Once I turned 33, uh, and I gave my life to the Lord is really when I was able to overcome, uh, what had happened. And then, you know, to have Zach write this song and for it to touch me the way it has, you know, that we're all survivors. During your loneliest, darkest hour, you have to know that God's there with you. And he has been with you from the beginning. Through Jesus, you can overcome anything. You're not alone, but you have to surrender to God. And I think that's the biggest thing, is if you fully surrender, then you will become free. Boy, I love that. Um, I remember when I first heard this song, I immediately thought of someone in my life that had an extremely rough childhood where abuse was rampant. And then as she grew older in her 20s and 30s, it consisted of more pain and agony and suffering, physical and spiritual. And what's most inspiring about this person is the amount of faith she has in God today. And I couldn't help but notice the commonality between her and Crystal, Zach's wife, when Crystal started talking about the surrendering to God. If you were to ask Crystal and you were to ask the person I'm referring to, they would not count themselves very high. Their humility is astounding. But they would both tell you that you have to surrender to God. Well, maybe that's the key in actually becoming a survivor. It's not triumphing over everything in your past or overcoming your circumstances or getting out of slavery or getting through the desert, but it's surrendering to the love of God so that he can be your hero in a fire, your water when you're bitter, but your father all the days of your life. God, I thank you so much for being my life, my well and giving me so much grace and so much kindness and so many blessings that I don't deserve when I have become bitter. I just pray that if there's any bitterness in us, that you would remove it and you would make us a true survivor and let us understand that the only way we can be a true survivor is if we just humble ourselves continually to you. 
be with us this week and help us see these different things in our life and help us love on other people who are bitter and need your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us and this whole time with Miriam. I've really enjoyed her. She's been difficult in the sense of I've had to kind of really go more introspectively because there's not a lot of verses. So if you guys have anything that you've learned, please reach out to me at the modern Esther podcast at gmail.com or just for prayer to tell your story. We will be doing a breakout session episode in the next couple of weeks before we pick the new woman. And I would just encourage you to continue to listen, follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, and God bless.